Good evening, everybody. This is your host, Huge Pop, for the Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. And below is Reek, Reek, Rico. How are you doing today? And tonight, we have another CWF, Christian Wrestling Federation at Rockwell, um, Texas. This guy has dabbed in some indie wrestling himself. He's He's been a wrestler. He's a manager, a commentator. He said he could do it all. He said that he know he knows things. Our guest tonight from CWF is Bobby Graham. How you doing, my friend? I am phenomenal. How are you? Good. 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 Welcome aboard, man. Welcome, Welcome aboard. Aboard. It's it's been a week. I can tell you that now. Um, <laughs> you know, I my wife and I have been dealing with some emotional stuff. Um, so keep us in your prayers. Uh, we lost a child 28, 28 years ago, but it's still still relevant in our hearts. So um, been, so. Uh, I love doing this. It helps me get away from reality for a while. And um, so we're going to throw some questions at you, sir, and um, let's see what you got. Absolutely. Let's bring it. <laughs> All right. So All right. I guess the first question everybody asks you probably is, how did you get started in the world of professional wrestling? <laughs> All the way from a fan as a kid up to where you at? Oh, we're going all the way back. Okay, cool. So I think I started watching when I was about eight or nine years old. I was flicking through the channels, and I remember it was WCW Saturday night. Caught my attention. I see these. I see this ring and these guys going at it, and they look like they're fighting. I was like, whoa, this is cool. And it looked – there was something different about it. I remember distinctly – I don't remember who he was facing, but there was a there was a jobber in WCW called The Gambler. And I remember he just – there was something different about him. Like he had a personality of his own. It wasn't like watching other sports where everybody's in uniforms and seems – kind of the same. There was something different about this and it caught my attention. And then I watched another match and another match. And uh, then I wanted to see when it was on again. And I just kept watching. And I think that was summer of 93 is when I started watching. And uh, man, I was just hooked. And uh, my dad took me to uh, WCW came to town. They were a lot smaller back then. I grew up in a little nothing town in the middle of central Florida. And uh, they came and uh, I got to see it live. And then of course, everything's better live and you see sting in action and he's yeah. larger than life. And, uh, I just, this is what I wanted to do. So I watched WCW, I watched WWF, uh, you know, love Shawn Michaels, undertaker, uh, just the larger than life characters. And, uh, I knew it was something I always wanted to do. Um, I knew that the odds were against me. I am not, I'm not the largest guy in the world. I'm about five, five. And when I broke into the business, I was only 155. Like I'm, I'm not a big guy and it was a big man sport at the time. Uh, but I always wanted, you know, hoped I would get to be a part of it someday. Uh, I started actually writing for a wrestling column back in high school. Uh, we did, I did kind of a fantasy booking sort of thing. This was about the time of the invasion angle and uh, WWF just bought WCW. And so I'd kind of recap the shows and what I would have done differently. And I did that for about six months or so. Um, yeah. And I just, again, I always had a desire to do it. Uh, fast forward a little bit. I got married. I was in college working full time. I had all this stuff going on and I noticed that my, my walk with God was struggling. Like I, I'm making time for everything, but God. And I, I, I felt convicted, honestly, that I spent all this time watching wrestling, but I didn't have time for my walk with Jesus. And God asked me to give it up for a little bit. And, um, so I did quit watching Raw, SmackDown, all the shows, stopped going on the wrestling websites, doing all that, and spent the time focusing on him. Well, before that, he had given me, or I had had this vision of using pro wrestling in ministry. And I thought, man, it'd be cool if, like, because uh, I always felt like a calling into ministry of some kind. I thought, man, it'd be cool if we had, like, you know, a youth event, and we could use wrestling somehow. And uh, the ideas for that just kept flooding back to me. And I started praying. It's like, God, am I trying to justify getting what I want here? Or it, are you trying to tell me something? And I remember distinctly praying about it. I was like, God, I'm asking you for a sign. Something that's clearly you. I remember there was a Tuesday night. That Sunday at church in the middle of worship, our associate pastor gets up. And he says, the Lord just spoke to me and said that someone here is asking for a direct sign. And God's telling me to tell you this is it. And I was blown away. Like, I just I just knew in my heart this was this was it. And I so I grew up in Florida. I moved to Texas when I was 16. I'm 19 at this point. And I remembered looking 
a friend had shown me a website for Christian wrestling, which I thought was so cool and so weird at the same time. Um, and then I remembered that website and remembered it was in Texas. I, I Googled it and it was only two hours away from me. So I ended up calling Rob Vaughn, uh, who runs Christian wrestling federation, told him, Hey, I'd like to check it out. And of course, you know, any promoter, wherever you're at, you get calls all the time. She's so like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And I come, I check it out, saw a show, fell in love with it. And uh, then I moved from East Texas to, uh, to the Dallas-Fort Worth area a few months later once I finished college. And I started training summer 2004. Um, I was trained by Tim Storm and Adam Asher of the Apocalypse. Uh, debuted in 2005. Wrestled uh, exclusively for CWF uh, until 2010. I took some time away from the business. And then uh, I'd come back once in a while for anniversary shows. I ran into... I ended up meeting a guy, Lou Starrett, who Lou Gotti, who um, he runs VIP wrestling, and he was just starting that at the time. And uh, we connected. We really hit it off. I started uh, helping him with that. Um, I wrestled one show there, and then I started doing commentary for him on their third show. And I uh, did commentary there for two years. I did commentary for MPX Wrestling. Uh, took some time away. Got honestly got burnt out on wrestling altogether. And then I came back to CWF about four and a half years ago. I started okay. helping. We have CWF West Texas out in the Lubbock area. I started helping um, with that. And then I came back to CWF here in Rockwall and have been helping basically wherever needed. I'm Like I said, I'm a wrestler, manager, ring announcer, commentator. I am all things to all men and to one lucky woman. <laughs> Jack of all trades. And he knows things. <laughs> and he knows things. So. <laughs> So I, I wouldn't have asked this question really, but I, I got to ask this. So Rockwall, CWF Rockwall, and CWF East Texas, you said? West Texas. West Texas. Do they, like, do you ever do an angle where they're, like, an invasion of each other? I believe that was done, I, I don't want to say before my time, between my time, because I had some time away, and I think they did that once. Um, okay. That could be fun. I'd, I'd like to revisit okay. that. That would be fun. Yeah. I just like, where is my allegiance? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) There there you go. The money is. Oh, (laughs) so when you talk about like you did the wrestling and then you went to commentating, what kind of made you want to go to commentating? Because that's obviously because I get paid the same and I don't get beat up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you've ever been in a ring, Rico, but that hurts. That's not a trampoline. And I get beat up a lot. And I'm like, I'm getting paid the same to sit here and talk. So I'm going to do that. Also, if you haven't figured it out, I like talking. Um, and I get more time on the show that way. So that's a thing. That's to help the fans. You're welcome. You get more of me. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, those rings are not soft. Absolutely. I've experienced it. And they are not soft. Not at all. They're, they're inconsistent depending on what promotion you go to because every ring is different. Like we are blessed. Our ring is, is is really good. It still hurts, but I've been in some where you hit it and it's like, oh, just it'll take the wind out of you. So it all depends where you're at, too. Yeah, because I remember my brother, he did um some side shows uh, back in Michigan and he went and trained um, Dan Severin school. I believe it was, oh, wow. yeah, Severance at the time. I believe that's where he went. George, don't get mad if I'm wrong. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, he did like little shows here. There are clubs and stuff and. Uh, I got to go in the ring, kind of just take a bump here and there. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't feel so. I mean, it feels better in the backyard, but, you know. That, I've had chiropractors say that it's, it's like being in a small accident every time you take a back bump. So you do however many dozen or if you're on a super indie show, however many hundred bumps in a match uh, over how many times a week, over how many years. There's a reason these guys can't walk by the time they're 50, 55. Mm-hmm. That's true. It really is. So that's one thing I noticed about that my experience watching the indies over here was they do a lot more than what you see on TV. I mean, yeah. you're, they're taking bumps like and share shots and stuff that tables that don't break. Yeah, you know, so. <laughs> I've seen that quite a bit right there. Tables <laughs> <Yeah>. not breaking. <laughs> I I went through a table. Well, I was. They attempted to put me through a table a few months back. And yeah, talking about tables not breaking, that one did not break. And no. uh, that was not pleasant. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So can you share with some of your highlights from when you were a wrestler? Absolutely. Um, Shiloh, the guy who uh, leads CWF West Texas, is probably one of my greatest opponents. We had, we just had natural chemistry, and uh, we had great matches all over the place. We went down to Mexico and had some matches. Uh, we got to do a, a missionary trip down there. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I was in a tag team. So originally, I was in a tag team called the Hillbillies, and. So I was Hill Bobby Graham. We had Hill Billy Graham, and then we had Hill Bobby Graham. We were the Hillbillies. I was from Bucksnort, Tennessee. <laughs> and, uh, y'all might have some shiny belt buckles around your waist, but that don't make y'all champions. <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, but uh, we had that, and then Hill Billy left, and then my other cousin, Hill Ronnie Graham, came in, and it was just – it was a blast. Um, just having fun with the kids – and the kids absolutely loved us because, well, we, we cheated. We, we'd throw candy out, so you, they had to love us. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, you got hillbillies coming and throwing throwing candy and dosey going around the ring. It was, it was an absolute blast. And so we had a lot of feuds with um, Phil the Real Deal Bishop. We had a good feud there. Um, yeah, it was – it was more about the experience with the fans. Like the entering stuff is great, but watching watching the interaction with the kids and seeing them light up, that's that's the highlight of the in-ring. Like and you know, when you have that moment where you look and they just connect and they feel special. You talked about it being an escape. It's an escape for kids, it's an escape for adults. And just getting to watch that in, in kids' eyes and parents having a good time and getting to be a part of having a positive message with what we do here in CWF and family friendly entertainment. If I, if we get to lead people to Christ, that's awesome. If we get to even entertain some people for a while, getting to be a part of that, that's, that's huge. Rico. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to ask you now, trying to who your favorite commentator was. Favorite commentator of all time is Joey styles. Hands down. Uh, The man is able to do pay-per-views by himself and kudos to Paul Heyman for fighting for that, uh, because the pay per view, the pay per view providers did. They said they needed a color commentator, and he said no. Joey can do it on his own, and and he stood by his man. And Joey proved absolutely right that he could. So Joey Styles has always been my top. I've got the opportunity to do commentary by myself. It is a challenge, but it's also fun. Um, of course, Jim Ross. Um, I love the Jim Ross and Paul Heyman team i loved their chemistry bobby uh, bobby the brain heenan uh again great color commentator uh he he was just special like everything he did was amazing i I look back i love watching the old stuff and you go back and you hear him and like one of my favorites is the 92 rumble he's got rick flair in there rick flair comes in number three and and during the whole thing you you hear heenan like pleading with god to let rick flair win and (laughs) all this and he would just do little things that meant so much and it's it's the little things that really make the difference in commentary in wrestling in in everything that we do the little things are the big things uh but yeah those are definitely my favorites when it comes to commentary you like when you had uh vince mcmahon doing the commentary that that was interesting yeah He, (laughs) he was he was actually good it's so uh it's so weird to think of him as like the the good guy commentator now after we've seen the evil Vince McMahon, right. uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, he did fine. Have you uh, well, paid attention to um? Sorry, uh, paid attention to Jr. at AEW. Honestly, no. Um, I I love what AEW is doing. I, I I like a lot of their stuff. I just haven't made it a priority to watch a lot of it. Uh, what I have seen, I've enjoyed. Um, it's not for everybody, but I like it. I like the, I like the high flying stuff. Um, as for his commentator, sometimes as for his commentary, I mean, he's, he's Jim Ross. So he's still got it, man. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite part, my favorite thing that Jim Ross does, because of course I'm a sting guy. I love sting. It's my all time favorite um, wrestler. And I love it when the, the snow falls and he goes, it's sting, you know. And it's just—I it's, love it. I just love it. And only Jim Ross can do that the way right. he does it. I mean, it's just amazing to me. So yeah, well, there will never be another Jim Ross for sure. Nah, not at all. It's kind of like you know when um 
Shinsuke would come out, Pat McAfee would get on a commentary table. Yeah. Just, yes. <laughs> yes. Stuff man, like I, that. I miss that guy. I mean, I. <laughs> so you're a manager as well. Yes. How do you describe your wrestling managerial style compared to others? Now, do you do you mimic others? I I know you said you're a Paul Heyman guy. How do you decide? How did you decipher what I'm gonna how I'm gonna manage? I do what it takes to win. Um, yeah, Paul uh, Paul Heyman have an influence. Bobby Heenan. Um, the key is being useful uh, without being a distraction because. A manager is an accessory to the show. You know, the focus is on my guys. The focus is on my client. I need to help them without making it about me. And that's a that's a fine line to walk. So it's it's really figuring out how to how to get the heat where they hate they hate me and therefore they hate my clients. So like I, I manage Ryan Hart and the Guardian. Um it's a it's an interesting balance, but it's a lot of fun because getting under the crowd, under the skin of the crowd is, oh, it's just great. We had a show maybe six months ago over in West Texas, and uh, it was the first time I was ever attacked by a fan, Ooh. and that was fun. <laughs> now, not as bad as it sounds, but uh, I we had a guy, Luke Nine, and uh, I ended up hitting him with a chair, and then I get in the ring, and I'm helping one of my guys. And uh, we're about to put the boots on when I feel somebody hit me in the back. And I look, I'm like, who in the world? And I look, and there's a dad pulling a nine-year-old off of me. He is just, like, pounding on me because I was I was hurting Luke 9. I was like, I did my job tonight. Yep. Man, Luke 9, is a, he's a brand-new member of the Bible Club, your favorite tag team, right? Bible Club, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got the innovator of originality, Johnny Lawless, who steals everything from everyone. And you got big dits, and now you got Luke 9 there. As their as their hype man, you know, they're great. They've obviously they've held multiple titles and everything, but they're no heart's legacy. That's no. Right. <laughs> oh, so we're not we're not fans of uh, the Bible we, Club. No, we need to get Big Fitz on here right now. I mean, come on, we're <laughs> he's not here, is he? <laughs> <laughs> right, right there. I see him. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I asked. I mean, because I was putting together your um, the video to advertise the show, and um, Rico, I gotta say, I asked him if we could if I could play our song, you know, because Rico and I we love that uh, Bible Club theme. Oh yeah. And old man, uh, uh, Mister I Know Things says, absolutely not. I can't stand those boys. So yeah, literally anything but Bible Club. <laughs> <laughs> we hear that every show and all the crowd is just standing and cheering and chanting and uh, it gets under your skin. skin crawl. <laughs> Rico? Oh man. So we're talking about wrestlers and obviously you've done the wrestling. Who is your all-time favorite wrestler? That's a tough one. That is, that is we'll, we'll go with top three just to make it a little easier for you. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to agree with uh, my guy over here, and Sting is one of them. Um, personal stuff aside, just looking in ring ability, Benoit. I I loved his ability, and Undertaker. Oh yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, um, that's uh doesn't get said, any better than Taker. I appreciate you saying because a lot of people don't like to mention Benoit's name, but you know, personal stuff, you have to put it aside and look at his in in ring career. He was Absolutely. phenomenal. He was mm -hmm. phenomenal. Oh, speaking of phenomenal, AJ Styles. <laughs> Good one, yeah. Yeah. Well, CWF alumni. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you didn't know? No, did not, oh, know. Did not know awesome, that one. Did you have any experiences with AJ? Uh, no, he was before my time. He was very early on in the Christian Wrestling Federation, like 2001, 2002 ish, uh, like right before TNA. Okay. Uh, he wasn't here very long, but he, but he was part of CWF. So, awesome. kind of a cool little thing. We've actually had a lot of cool people come through our doors. Uh, oh. Him, Doctor Steve Williams, uh, LOD, uh, and then some guys that we've seen more recently: Lodi, Tarver, uh, Gunner. 
um, there's been a lot of people come through. So it's been pretty cool to be here and get to see that. So can you tell us about a wrestler you've managed who has achieved significant success and um, that you could push to the moon? Ryan Hart, your first guest. I mean, he has done everything that there is to do in the Christian Wrestling Federation. He's been the CWF champion. He's been the interdenominational champion. He's been the CWF Texas champion, tag team champion. That makes him one of the first four corners champions. And then over in West Texas, he's held the tag titles and he held the text division title. He's won the uh, Emilio Lucero Battle Royal. Like he's done everything there is to do here in the CWF. And he has been a pillar of the CWF for the last 18 years. Uh, so that's my guy. But then the, the diamond in the rough is the Guardian. Guardian has been the interdenominational champion, longest reigning interdenominational champion. He's been the tag team champion. And he is, like, I coined the phrase, he's the strongest man in Texas wrestling this side of a drug test, but that's a shoot. He is freakishly strong. And uh, yeah, I he's think that he's got so much potential. I definitely see him holding the CWF title in the future. He's a big dude, man. I he can is. tell you that. <laughs> I don't know if I'd <laughs> run across him. So, so now is are they tag team partners still? I mean, they are tag team partners. Yes. All right, I'm going to ask a shoot question. Okay. I think, uh, well, I'm, I don't know if it's a shoot question or not, but um, I mentioned to both of them if they'd ever turn heel on each other. You see that in the future? <laughs> the wheels are turning. <laughs> the wheels are turning. The question is, who do I pick? Oh, <laughs> who's going to go for 18 years in this business? Guardian's got about four, so longevity is in favor of the Guardian. Um, but the experience is the favor of Ryan Hart. And I think at the end of the day, things aren't always black and white, but they're always gold and green. And whoever has the gold gets a lot of green, and that's who has my support. There you go. Ah. <laughs> All right, Rico. <laughs> so we know that there's always, you know, you guys know the wrestling, the storylines, you know, and commentators are sometimes they know what's going on. Do you prefer sure. to not know what's going on so you actually have that surprise reaction when it when it happens? Yes and no. Um, when I when I worked with other companies doing commentary, they didn't tell us anything. Uh, we knew the card and had no idea what was going to happen because they wanted that the emotion to be organic in a way that's good. Um, there's pros and cons of both. I can't really say that, that there's a bad there's a bad way to do that. It's just different. I, because I know things, I can figure it out. So, mm -hmm. so we're good there. So when you have your two, your your two guys, um, the Guardian and Hart, tagging up, and there's a conflict and disagreements between them two. How do you handle that? Well, they're big boys. I'm not a babysitter. You let them figure it out. But if things are getting out of hand, you make the big thing the big thing. That's always the deal. What is the goal? What is our end goal? Doesn't matter if we butt heads along the way. As long as we're going after the championships, as long as we're able to run roughshod over the company, if they find it out a couple of times, they find it out a couple of times. Tell me, uh, tell me two friends that don't butt heads once in a while. Tell me a couple that doesn't butt heads once in a while. It happens. There's going to be conflict. But at the end of the day, you keep your eyes on your same goal. You work, you work towards it together. That's all that matters. So the bloodline. You think you see them getting back together at the end of the day? Bloodline. Mm. <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't think so. I think that they're done. I think that there's a lot of people. I'm honestly surprised that this angle has gone on for what three years now. Mm -hmm. um, because the wrestling attention span. Well, society's attention span is not that long anymore. Nope. Um, so I think a lot of, I'm, I'm uh, thoroughly impressed with WWE sticking to something for that long. 
Um, that's long-term storytelling, and we don't see a lot of that, in, in my opinion, in wrestling anymore, whether it's whether it's the big two, whether it's the indies. You don't see a lot of long-term storytelling and planning things and seeing them to fruition. And I, I'm a story guy. Like, I always want to know the why behind the what. Yeah, the wrestling is great, but why are these guys in a blood feud? Why are these guys – why do they want to tear each other apart? Mm-hmm. That story – is really, in my opinion, what wrestling is about because people don't remember what you do. They remember how you made them feel. And wrestling is is very involved in emotion. If you look back at the Attitude Era, which is arguably the, people argue is the greatest wrestling era. Everybody talks about how great it was. Mm-hmm. Do you really think back to some barn burner matches? Or do you think back to some really awesome storylines? You think back to Austin and McMahon. You think back to the Ministry of Darkness. You think back mm-hmm. to DX. You think back to the NWO. You think back to Raven's Flock. Whatever, whatever your favorite angle was, that's probably what you remember. You're not remembering a, a, a 20 minute classic between between you know Malenko and Bret Hart or Malenko and Lance Storm. And I love those guys too. Uh, I love the technical wrestling, but mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's a niche in wrestling. It's the what the general audience general audience cares about is the entertainment the <laughs> in their storylines. Right. And I, maybe you agree with me or maybe not, but I think uh, he doesn't have a lot to do with it, but he's got a part, big part in it, I think, is Paul Heyman's really kind of helped carry that and keep it going. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just think he doesn't get enough credit. I don't think people give that guy enough credit, man. <laughs> he is smart. He is an absolute genius. I love watching videos where he's uh, talking about things in the past and, and, and stories and like everything he does, every word out of his mouth is very calculated. There's, there's no wasted words. Everything he says has purpose. Every facial expression, everything that he does, he's put thought into and there's a reason behind it. And he draws out exactly what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. So, so now talking about storylines, is CWF good at? Do they have a lot of storylines, or do you, are you involved in a storyline that you could share talk about? The creative process is um, developing. I would say that there's there's been several storylines. There's things going on right now with the CWF title with Ryan Hart and the Guardian. There's things going on uh, with Bible Club and and Hart's Legacy. There are things going on on our second brand, which is CWF Uprising. Uh, currently, Omega, who won the Emilio Lucero Battle Royal trophy at our anniversary show, had it stolen by Colt Smith. And um, Omega is attempting to get that back. There's um, the tag title situation is the tag titles have been have not been defended and they're the tag division is starting to to build up uh so we're seeing a, a story develop there as a matter of fact this saturday there is going to be a triple threat tag team match uh and the winners will face bible club in a number one contenders match and the winner of that match will go on to face tim storm and apocalypse for the cwf tag titles so we have a lot of stories developing and there's layers to some things going on um and then it's just a lot of there's a lot of moving parts because we have two brands now we have we have eternal and then we have uprising and there's some guys who are on both shows some are exclusive to to one show or the other and uh just seeing all the moving parts you really just have to tune in each show and uh see what's going on because there is a lot more to come i mean if i tune in on saturday watch it maybe i'll see a uh, a breakup of your uh, tag team and um people right why are you so determined for hearts legacy <laughs> he's just really putting that out there man this entire show you've been mean to me this whole trip man <laughs> so it's kind of like a raw and a smackdown kind of deal you have your two brands there uh yeah you could you could say that uh so we're uh i think uprising is just going to have a, a little different energy to it um we got a lot of the younger talent in i think you're going to see more fast-paced action there we're eternal is more of our guys who have been established that the, the fans are familiar with. We have a few of those faces uh, showing up on Uprising, and we have a few of the new guys showing up on Eternal. Uh, so it's not completely split, but it's it's a different feel. Gotcha, gotcha. 
So oh, you're, go ahead. Oh no, when you're talking about the different things that you do, you know, you've wrestled, managed, commentated. If you just had to pick one, which one would you pick to permanently do? To permanently do commentating. Commentating. Yeah, I I love because at the end of the day, we are all fans. No matter what your role is in the business, you guys doing podcast, wrestlers, managers, referees, sound guys, we're all fans. And what I get to do is I get to be a fan, a fan with inside knowledge and experience and communicate to other fans about what is going on and significance of what's going on and get to be a part of telling the story of literally telling the story that these guys are telling in the ring. I'm just giving insight. I'm giving backstory and, and hopefully adding to the experience of fans who are watching on YouTube. Nice. So do you, uh, what do you, is your, um, give an opinion on how, how um, strong promos should be to help your job as a, uh, even a manager, do you cut promos? Um, you see, now you're making me rethink. I might prefer to be a manager just because I love cutting promos. Like that is my, <laughs> that is, that is one of my most favorite things to do. Um, because you get to get under the skin of the crowd. And when I, I got to tell you guys, when you can get booed out of a building, when you make people legitimately hate you, <laughs> story time. So CWF West yeah. Texas, uh, we have a guy there, uh, Russell's as the martyr and he was over DFW and he's like, Hey man, I'm going to be, uh, be in town. Let's grab some dinner. So I went to dinner with him and his family. And then he went and visited his parents who had seen me at the last show. And they were legitimately disgusted that he had dinner with me. Oh no. And <laughs> he sent me the text message and I saved that because it's like, if I can get them to hate me that much. Okay. Yeah. You're doing your job. Doing my job. Uh, yeah, nice. When, when the show's over and, and like nobody wants my autograph because they're just like the kids are all still hating me, that's fun. That is a lot of fun. <laughs> so, so you're pretty good at cutting promos then. I'm okay. I would say, well, we'll put you on the spot, cut a promo. Yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> think that's great reek reek is that is that yeah, baddie smell or where, where'd you get that name reek reek <laughs> i'm just i'm just glad that we're not doing this in person uh no actually i got this um from my son that passed away last september oh way to make me um, feel like crap no. the, uh, <laughs> that was something he always called me was reek reek so i just that's what i wanted to use see now i can't cut a promo on you <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's Why don't you cut a promo on a uh, big fits or the Bible club. How about that? On the Bible club, okay, excellent. You know, Bible club comes in here and they talk about the Bible and Jesus, but they steal literally everything. They stole Bullet Club. You watch johnny lawless i call him the innovator of originality for a reason he hasn't come up with a single original thing ever he walks out like scott hall he steals every move that he has in his arsenal and he was a bible club baby there's no originality there and the fact of the matter is he got outsmarted by ryan hart he got outsmarted in an i quit match he lost his title and he can never get it Again, he can never face ryan hart for the title because ryan hart is smarter ryan hart is better Ryan Hart is superior to Johnny Lawless, Big Fitz, and even Luke Nine in every single way. It takes three of them in the ring. I only need two guys in the ring because I'm the brains behind the brawn, and there's nothing they can do to stop us. There's nothing personal about that. This is strictly business. Yeah. So when Thank you... you. Get under the fans' skin, and I love the part of the about CWF. I love the most is <clears throat> at the end when you guys put on your performance and shows, and everybody, and then Ron, Mister Vaughn gets in the ring, and then you guys start um, praying for people, and so on and so forth. So, as a heel manager and a he with a heel tag team, how mm -hmm. do you switch it from 
a jerk and at ringside to praying for these people that were booing you out of the ring. How, how does that make you feel? And how do you get, how do you transition? That's a really great question. Um, sometimes they don't want to pray with me, um, but that's a matter of letting the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Because uh, in and of myself, I don't have a, despite me making them hate me in the beginning, I can't control if the, if that's going to flip uh, at the end, which is the important part. Um, but if, if God's moving there, there's nothing he can't do. And I think that when it comes time for prayer, people can look and they see your heart and they see that what we do is a show. And, and we'll tell them if, because there's times where I've been the heel manager and then I've given the message and that's not been easy. Cause like these people are just hating me and I got to get them to one, listen to me and then two tell them about Jesus. And so one thing that I will do is I will just say, like, if I'm the one giving the message, I'll say, look, this is a show. Bobby Graham was just a character. He's an arrogant jerk who cheats and, and does whatever he has to, to get his clients to win. That's just a character. Bobby Williams, the man, he's so much worse because I'm guilty of everything Bobby Graham does. And I've done this, 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 and this, like I, God has brought me out of some pretty dark places. I've, I've, I'm guilty of lying, of, of cheating, of adultery, of, of, seeking seeking pleasure in ungodly ways alcohol and getting drunk and all this other stuff i'm guilty of that and the only reason i can stand in front of you guys today is because of the grace mercy and forgiveness shown through jesus christ and him dying on a cross and raising three days later and so just getting real with people like i, I have the show but now it's time to get real and i will get really real because i'm i'm not ashamed of what is in my past because jesus nailed my shame to the cross and that's the whole reason I'm there. That's the whole reason is to share that hope because so many people live in fear of what if people knew the real me. Yeah. So I'm going to show that real me and say, hey, Jesus died for me. He died for you, too. And that's what people people as a whole want is vulnerability. They want somebody who they can relate to. Um, I listen to a leadership podcast by Craig Rochelle, and he ends it the same way all the time. He says, always be yourself. Because people would rather follow someone who's always real than someone who's always right. And so I remember that ministry as well is just be real. And when people see that sincerity and they, if you're listening to God as you speak and letting the Holy Spirit speak through you, he's going to speak on their hearts. And so that does the transition for us. That's not anything I have to do. That's all him. Awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you. Love it. Rico. Oh. Actually, I was going to ask about, um, so your walk with Christ, uh, were you kind of like always raised in the church or you, you just, when was your coming to Jesus moment? So I was raised in church. My dad was a retired pastor and I remember it was, I, it was a Saturday night. I remember I was about seven years old. He calls me into the living room and him and mom were there and my dad I come by my gift of gab naturally. He loved to talk. And uh, he talked for about an hour going through everything. And I had no earthly idea what he was talking about. But I just agreed to what he said. He asked if I wanted to receive Jesus as my Savior. I said yes. We said there's prayer. And I remember walking away thinking, man, thank God that's over. Because um, I just want to go back and watch TV. Um, fast forward to when I was 12. I remember laying in bed one night and I was praying. And uh, I was asking God for forgiveness, and I remembered the story I just told you. And I realized that I had never sincerely accepted Christ. And so laying there in bed one Friday night, I asked Jesus into my heart and confessed my sins. And um, so I'll turn around there. And then I grew up in church, like I said, and uh, was always involved, wanted to be in ministry. I got in CWF. And to be completely transparent with you guys, I learned just maybe in the last six months or so I had a, I had this radical change because we always hear about Jesus Christ being your Lord and savior. And we say it like, it's just one thing, like it's together. And those are two very distinct things. 
and I had received salvation when I was 12. I, I, I don't doubt that, but I had accepted him as my savior, but I hadn't surrendered to him as Lord. And I wrestled with that for a long time. And I had seasons of my life where I was active in church or active in ministry and seasons of life where I wasn't. And even like at my best, things just were always off. It seemed like I was fighting this uphill battle that I just couldn't, I was always struggling internally. I didn't have, I didn't have peace. Like I felt like I should have, I was like, God, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Why do I not have peace? And finally, what, maybe five, six months ago, I had a, I had a change where I just broke down and I said, God, I'm tired. I'm done. Everything I do, everything I touch seems to fall apart. Relationships don't work. I surrender. You are Lord. Whatever you want to do in my life, do it. And when I did that, guys, my life just radically changed. Not where everything just became perfect, but my perspective on everything became perfect. Like, so much better. I had, I had peace. I had, I was able to forgive myself for things that were in my past, which I couldn't do before. And, uh, I had a guy here, you know, he said something that was instrumental in that. He said, Jesus nailed your shame to the cross along with your sin. And I surrendered to him. I let go of my shame and, and just sought after him. Like everything started changing my, my walk with him, my time with him. Like, it's not just obligatory. Oh, I better, I got to spend time with the word. It's like, I want to, um, I want to tell people about Jesus. I become so much more bold in my faith. And I'm not saying that to say, look at me. I'm saying, look at God. Like he, he's done something different in me. I have peace now that I did not have even as a, as a Christian. Cause you can, you can be a Christian. Like I said, you can receive him as savior and not have fully surrendered as Lord. But the, the change that happens, man, it's day and night. I've had peace and, and God has just done some great things. Met this awesome woman who I got engaged to, who two months from today I'll be married to, and she's on the fire for Jesus. And uh, man, life has just been so much better. Even if circumstances didn't change that much, my perspective did and recognizing who's in charge because when you put God first, everything else lines up. Mm -hmm. Congratulations with the word. Congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> Um, so my question, I guess, will piggyback off that. You're engaged, um, yes. and two months, two months you'll be married. Congratulations! And how do you, do you? Is there a lot of support from your wife or your future wife when it comes to the CWF and the wrestling part of it? <laughs> and uh, does she give you a hard time of with it, or how does that how does that melt? mesh together. She is so supportive, and that is so rare in wrestling because so many wrestling wives think it's stupid. Or why are you going to training again? And I mean, I've, I've heard it all. Um, she is super supportive. Now she didn't know anything about wrestling uh, and she, she's not a sports person at all. She calls it all sports ball. So it's a new concept to her. However, she grew up in theater. So she has an appreciation from it for a different side. She's been in theater since she was three and done stage managing and all sorts of stuff. So she can appreciate the theatrical side of what we do, even though she's not familiar with it. And she's come to several shows and uh, she loves what we do. And she can give input from her, her background on what if you did this? What if you did that? Like just different things of lighting or how, how presentation is. So uh, yeah, I've got a, I got a winner in my corner. Awesome. That's awesome. There yeah. you go. I actually kind of just uh, what I want to ask is I think Huge Papa, trying to remember who we asked this before. But, anyways, we're discussing it and we would like to set up to try to come out there next year to watch a show live. Okay. And we'd just love to be next to that commentary table just to Let's hear you happen, go. Captain. All right. That's plan. It uh, might be like, I think I was looking at it, Rico, October, November, one of those months. October, yeah, not when it's super hot out there, okay? Man, it was cool the other day. It was like 99. That's that's oh, cool. Yeah. That's I a live, cold time. I, I live in a panhandle of Florida, and it's uh was 99 with a real feel of 112 today. So I'm like, nah. I never understood that. <clears throat> if, if it feels like 112, it's 112. Right. Don't tell me it's 99, all right? Don't, tell, yeah. don't, don't lie to me. Yeah. <laughs> our, 
that's I'm in East Tennessee, and so we kind of got the mountains, but it was still getting up in the 90s, and but we got to drop down a little bit to the low 70s. Mm. So that felt nice. So when you can we just do a show out in Tennessee instead? Book us there. Bring it on, man. Actually, <laughs> no. Um, I think it was Big Fitz I was talking to about it. Uh, I'm gonna get with my pastor and stuff because we actually have a pretty huge church. Oh yeah. And just to see what I, I need to find out, like the size of the ring and how much room you actually need, so I can mm-hmm. bring it to him and see if we could possibly do it. Yeah, definitely. We would love to go to Tennessee. Yeah. There you go. Definitely. No, I would. That's what matters. Because <laughs> you, you, you know things, right? Because I know you things. Know, I mean, you know. <laughs> so when you guys approach the ring and you know you're going to play, you're going to go, you're going to wrestle against your favorite um, tag team of all times, the Bible Club. Yeah. And you, how do you approach that atmosphere and, the, and how do you gauge the crowd and to determine how you're going to be? Hmm. That's one of those things you just kind of get to know over the years. And uh, honestly, it it depends where we're at. Like geographically, wrestling is very different. Wrestling is very different in Florida versus Tennessee versus Ohio. Even in Texas, like our East Texas crowd is very different than our crowd here in the Metroplex and what they're looking for, what they're expecting. Um, So kind of understanding where you're at, one, but also, honestly, the majority of our crowds are not wrestling crowds. Um, their church is putting something on. Um, so like when we do road shows, their church is putting on an event and like, Oh, okay, we'll check this out. And half of them are casual fans at best. You ask them who their favorite wrestler is. They're going to say, if they're watching currently, they're going to say Roman Reigns or John Cena, or they watched back in the attitude era. They're not watching regularly. So that is a very different crowd than the indie scene would have right now. So since we have a different crowd, our approach on how we wrestle on how we do our shows is very different. It's very old school in the white meat baby faces and, and heels are, are dastardly cheating to, to win in every opportunity. Uh, the psychology that goes into our shows is very different than if we were to do a normal indie show. Uh, so just learning that and then kind of the first match can kind of be a Guinea pig. Cause sometimes you go out there and they're not that into it and, your job and your job in the opening match, no matter what card you're on, is to get the crowd into it. Sometimes that's more challenging than others. So we just kind of send them out there and like, all right, guys, good luck. Awesome. <laughs> so when you're uh doing your commentating, obviously, like being a heel, do you stay a heel during commentating or um no, I do I do commentary straight now. Um uh, okay. just it can be especially since I do play by play. Uh, so play by play typically is going to be straight and the color would be, would be heel. We have Phil the real deal Bishop on color commentary now, and uh, he's, he's a face. Um, so we just kind of play it straight for now. I've done the heel commentary thing uh, previously. It's just, I don't know. I think at times it's been overdone. There's, gotcha. there's a place for it, but it's not necessary. Um, let the heels be the heels. Like if they need it, like because I'll I'll say things one way or another, just kind of like I said before, uh, like when we, when we were talking uh, before the show about Corey Graves, like he he just gives opinions like a fan. There's some good guys he likes, there's some bad guys he likes, and that's one thing I respect about his style. I will do that from time to time, and I'll I'll call a spade a spade. If a face does something dumb, I'm gonna say it was dumb. If a if a heel does something that was clever, I'm gonna say it was clever. Uh, right. Give credit where it's due. Um. But yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily stick to being a heel uh, on commentary. Uh, I save that more for the road shows, and I, I spew my venom at that point. <laughs> so, are there any wrestlers that you have not managed in CWF that you would like to in the future? And to op- to go further with that, is there any wrestler out there today in the Indies or in the main? main circuit that you would that you feel that you'd be a good manager for mm. barrett brown i have the utmost respect for him and that's a shoot like he is one of the greatest wrestlers on the indie scene right now the guy does everything right he doesn't nece- necessarily need a mouthpiece but i would be honored to manage him 
as for the rest of the indie scene, man, that that's I almost feel bad like I'm gonna leave somebody out. Um if I mention anybody, but that's a good question. Um I don't have an answer. So really anybody who wants to pay me. All right, there you go. There you go. So obviously you know, you've explained you've done some wrestling. Mm-hmm. Would you ever want to try to like uh, go for a tag team title or a singles title or anything? My wrestling career was about 50 pounds ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pop Tarts are not a toy, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, there's always there's always that part of you that wants to get back in that that itch that itch. And there's times I watch matches and I'm like, man, that'd be fun. Then about four minutes in, I'm like, man, I can't breathe. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason I'm on the outside. You throw uh, the X up yourself. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Help bring oxygen. Oh, like it is exhausting, guys. Like it, wrestling, ring shape is different than all due respect to other athletes. Ring shape is different than being in shape for any other sport. And other athletes will tell you the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a different beast. And I don't really want to put that work in. Um, so, yeah, it's fun, but no. No, I, I remember. Um, <laughs> I, was, I remember Dennis Rodman was talking about that in the NWO days. He said, mm-hmm. man, that's a that's a different ball game. You know, I'm in great physical shape, but man, jumping around that ring and stuff, that takes a toll on you. Mm-hmm, for sure. Absolutely. Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the days. Oh yeah. So back in the days of WCW, I have to ask this, it's a TikTok question. It's more of a joke than anything. Who is the greatest WCW champion ever? Greatest Ooh. WCW champion? Yeah. Besides David Arquette? David Arquette. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, greatest WCW champion of all time. I'm inclined to say Flair, but I got to say Sting. Sting is the I'm, guy. You can't but go the, wrong with either one of those. The joke around TikTok is David Arquette. Yeah. So you got it right. <laughs> Not Russo? I mean, he was champ. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, you see... You see Classy Freddy Lassie bring his cane to the, to the ring. You see Mr. Fuji bringing whatever weapon he wants to bring. You see... You know, even Bob or even uh, Paul Heyman bringing his cell phone. He's always with that cell phone. Is there a gimmick or something that you do you bring that you bring to the ring um, when you're managing your 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 group? There is no gimmick needed to quote Chris Candido. I don't need a gimmick. I don't need to bring something to the ring. I bring me to the ring, and that's dangerous enough. So I was because I want to piggyback off of his uh, WCW one. What about WWE favorite champion of all time? Favorite WWE champion of all time. Mm. I think I got to go with the dead man, Undertaker. Ooh. I mean, that's a great answer. You really can't. I, I personally, Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. I like Shawn Michaels too. And I'm more inclined to go for the smaller guys like Shawn Michaels. Um, but I mean, Undertaker's the Undertaker. Yeah, he's just up there. <laughs> yeah, that's he's a different level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, what about uh, like, do you have any certain catchphrases that you like to say every time you're commentating? Is there a certain thing you like to just always? Say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. On commentary, not really. I just kind of – I do a lot of it on the fly, just kind of whatever pops in my head. Um, trying to think if there's anything on commentary that I say. Because I don't really do the I know things part on, on commentary. That's more just the manager side. But, uh, no, I usually come up with a smart comment on the way or, or like, make some <laughs> joke about what people say. Um, I will say that people, somebody slapped the taste out of his mouth, the chop, but that's about it. Or, or uh, what do they say about chops? 
No, I don't think I have a, a real catchphrase for commentary. That's good because you know, like you say something, you're like, "Man, I really like that." <laughs> kind of use that next time. I like everything I say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, can, so can, can you get, can you tell us the um, how you collaborate between wrestlers and the production people and whatever position you're in, whether it's a manager, announcer, or how do y'all? What's how do you get engaged and and be on the same page with all those because there's a lot of there's a lot of tools a lot of pieces to the puzzle to put, are, put on a match there are a lot of pieces to the puzzle um let the wrestlers do what they do and i i do like to give you know because I've, I've been around for 18 years now um i'll give some insight about hey what if you did this instead or uh what about this move or also just try to listen to make sure that you don't have five matches that all have the same thing going on that that wouldn't be good so make sure there's variety there. Communicate, communicate how things go, um, and just highlight stuff. You know what? What is the what is the main thing we're trying to communicate in this match? What is the main thing we want people to see? Rico, so in the CWF, like you know, you got your uh, the ring crew and stuff, but do you guys just pitch in yourselves? Like all the wrestlers coming together, managers, everybody helps take stuff down sound when you're, whenever you're traveling to another city. hundred percent. Yeah. This okay. is, uh, there's not. So in, in wrestling in general, there's like the hierarchy. There's, you know, you got your, your, your main eventers, your season vets, you go down mid card, curtain jerkers, ring crew. You have that. But in ministry, we're all equal. It's a level playing field. And at the end of the end of the day, that's what this is, is a ministry. So, whether it's Rob Vaughn who who founded the company, whether it's APOC who was in the first match with Jesus Freak Rob Vaughn, or whether it's the new trainees, we're all helping set up that ring. We're all helping tear down that ring because that's ministry. And so there's nobody above one another. It's all this is all servant. This is all being servants for Christ. So on that aspect, you know, it's level playing field. We all pitch in, we all do our part. Awesome. Awesome. Ready for some questions from the kiddos? Absolutely. If you've been paying attention to other people's podcasts, um, the guys are from CLF, you'd know these questions. So be, you should be prepared. <laughs> As a manager that you are of not the probably the best tag team in the um, CWF, but no, the best. Eh, okay. Bible club. <laughs> Bible club. Anyway. <Marks. laughs> Favorite food. Favorite food? Steak. Pineapple on pizza? Blasphemy. Not quite blasphemy, but it's close. Come on. <laughs> Favorite cartoon? Favorite cartoon? Ooh. Mm. Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Favorite movie? The Dark Knight. Okay. They asked me favorite song. Well, we favorite. already know that. We know that song. Oh, if you say, say Bible Club, I will do this <laughs> and I will strangle you. Uh, <laughs> ooh, favorite song. I'm going to go with Strike Back by We as Human. I never heard of it. Good. I have to look that up. Um, favorite vacation. Where do you want to go? Going on a cruise for my honeymoon. I love cruises. Oh, I think that's all they asked. So you're off the hook on that. So where, where are you going on a cruise at? Like the Bahamas or? Uh, we're actually we're gonna fly out to LA, go from there, and we're gonna head down to Mexico. Nice. I don't remember where in Mexico, but beaches. That's nice beaches. Hot new wife. You know, I really don't care where I'm at. There you go. There you go. Just take some time to relax and enjoy each other. Exactly. Exactly. So what was your favorite type of match to announce? My favorite type of match to announce? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, a, was it a, is it a steel cage? Is it a uh, false gone anywhere? Is it a hardcore match? Hardcore's fun. Um, really what I like is when it's a payoff to a feud, like calling, we had a tremendous feud for about 18 months between Barrett Brown and Johnny Lawless. And that, in my opinion, was the greatest storyline that we've ever had in CWF. 
and getting to call that match because there was such emotion in it. It got very, very personal. And it was it was heavy. Like the, the show before, it was it was palatable, like how just intense it was. It got very uncomfortable. And so when that match happened, there was so much energy, there was so much emotion behind it that getting to call that, getting to be a part of it, that's really what made it made it the most not not the gimmick of the match per se but the reason behind the match is really what what drove it home for me gotcha so have you ever had the instance where you called the match and you saw something you're like oh i i think somebody really got hurt right there you had to mention something um i've had that we actually had that um i think it was at the last show we had it was a match between uh, Big Fitz and um, Justin James, and that's two big behemoths. I mean, you got Fitz who's six ten and three fifty, and you got Justin James who's probably six five, six six, and probably four hundred. And uh, you get two big behemoths like that in there. Somebody's getting hurt, and and Justin James ended up getting hurt, and we I saw it. And I go, Ooh, that is not good. Um, it's scary. Like it, it honestly, it threw me off. I tried to be maintain being professional and call the match, but I, I was worried about him. Um, so it's it's really hard to to focus on that, and then you got to direct the energy and just keep it going. Uh, but yeah, that's scary when you see when you see one of your wrestling brothers get hurt. It's yeah. it's rough, but unfortunately, the show must go on. Mm-hmm. So fantasy booking, my favorite. Put yourself in a match. Against any CWF opponent, who would it be? Barrett Brown. What kind of I don't even to think about that. <laughs> um, so this is my fantasy, so I'm actually in shape. So we're gonna do an Iron Man <laughs> match. <laughs> All right. I gotta ask. I gotta ask, where did the phrase I know things come from? <laughs> when I was in VIP, uh there was a fan who talked to me and he took a liking to me and he's like man you know things it's like i do i do know things so i just took it from there bobby yeah, graham I, I know things i can see that put on a shirt bobby graham i know things with uh never mind i'll get it made for you 30 bucks <laughs> <laughs> with the I'll bible pub logo on it right oh he just had <laughs> to put a big red circle through red circle over the bible club just cross it out just call it the bobby club <laughs> I'm just messing, man. So, I have to ask, um, what does CWF mean to Bobby Graham? Family. Hands down. These are my brothers. And I might give Fitz and Johnny a hard time, but everybody in this ministry is family. 18 years I've been here, and we have been through all sorts of things. We've seen... We've been there to celebrate when we get married. We've been there to care for each other when there's a divorce, when uh, when children are born, uh, when people lose their jobs, when people get promoted, when when life happens. You know what? My my son's mom passed away uh, from cancer when he was two, and CWF was there. I wasn't even actively involved in CWF at the time, and they were there for me. And that's what this is about. It's it's a two-part ministry. We are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have that ministry there. But secondly, it is a men's ministry. And there's a group of men here. And we meet every Monday night. But we also, we do life together outside of Mondays, outside of Saturday shows. You know, we call, we check on each other. Like, hey, man, how's your week going? We got a group text. Uh, hey, you know, so-and-so's in the hospital when you pray or, Hey, I'm struggling today. It doesn't have to just be, you know, tragedy. It can just be, Hey, I'm, I'm really struggling with my attitude today. I need some prayer, dude. We got you. And it's a safe spot for us to come. And unfortunately in our society, there's not a lot of safe havens for men. Like we're just told to suck it up and deal. Mm-hmm. Um, we have that. And we tell everybody don't take this for granted. And we've seen people come and go. I've come and gone. I've had times where I got away from CWF and it was the most miserable time of my life because I didn't have people to turn to. I didn't have people 
that I was safe with. And now I do. I can go with them and be like, hey, I got this going on and I'm struggling. I need prayer. Or, hey, man, I had this great thing happen. Celebrate with me. And that's what we have. It's it's a true brotherhood. It's a true safe place where it's okay to not be okay. Accountability kind of sort of thing. Though. Accountability and encouragement. Um, you know, I think back to like Roman soldiers. They had the big shields and if one of them fell down, everyone would put their shields around yeah. and help him get up. And that's what we do. When, when one of us is down, we have our shield of faith. The Bible talks about the shield of faith. We come in there with our faith. We encourage our brother, help him get up, and then he's ready to help fight with us again. Well, I can tell you um, the first interview I had was, 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 was with Mr. Hart. And um, ever since I reached out to Rob Vaughn and Mr. Hart and every every talent that I've, or person that we talked to, I get text messages all the time or Facebook messages all the time, checking in on me and checking in on Rico and everybody. And I'm like, that means the world to me, to be honest with you, um, to know that you guys do care about people like us that are on a podcast that just talk to you guys for about an hour, hour and a half. So I thank you for that commitment or that all the encouraging words, everything that you guys do at CWF. You are a part of the huge pop wrestling podcast family. And I, we, we, we are going to make that trip. It's not going to be a maybe. We are going to make that trip in 2024. I want to meet you guys really bad. Uh, that means you know, a lot to us, and, and we do care about you. And uh, my, my pastor has a saying that, that I really like. He says, behind every face is a name. Behind every name is a story, and that story matters. And so we do care about you. We care about your story. Uh, Rico, we care about you and your story. We care about the people who are watching this. Um, Christ has called us to show love to one another. That's the whole reason we're here. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if that's not what we're doing, why are, why are we even bothering? Um, but we, we are honored to, to be a part of this and uh, definitely excited for you to come sit by us in commentary and uh, have some fun with us. Right. Oh, yeah. Definitely. All right. So, um, huge pop wrestling podcast. We're coming to a close of the interview with Bobby Graham. I am going to give Bobby Graham the, the mic, the, the, the time. And I need to, I, if you would tell people, where they can find you on if you want to if you have social media um tell us what's up what's in your future you just say goodbye to the fans and um i'll play the song and i'll meet you in the lobby man <laughs> all right uh really social media don't worry about my social media just follow cwf christianwrestling.com check out our shows check out our youtube channel and uh see what it's all about it's it's wrestling it's ministry just Check it out. You're, you don't want to miss what's coming. I promise you that.